This is Center Stage, putting your firm in the spotlight by highlighting business owners and other industry experts to help take your firm to the next level. Hey everyone, and welcome to Center Stage. I'm your host, John Henson, and this week we're talking about psychology and how our minds work, or at least how your minds work when it comes to being a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer, but uh, I work with a lot of lawyers. My guest this week, uh, Gary Mitchell, he spent more than 15 years working with and coaching lawyers on how to grow their firm. So we've got some experience. We know uh, at least you know, what you're going through and and kind of how your brains work a little bit. And so we want to talk about just a few different aspects, just kind of of a lawyer's brain and, and what you can do to kind of train uh, the different areas of your brain to just be a, a more well-rounded lawyer and, and balance that execution side with the strategic side of being that firm owner, and that entrepreneur. Uh, so yeah, Gary's going to help us do it. And thanks for joining us. I'm happy to be here, John. Yeah. So yeah, real quick, you know, before we dive in, uh, you know, I kind of mentioned, you know, you've been doing this for more than 15 years, you know, you're a coach, but uh, you know, tell people exactly what it is you do. Um, well, let me sum it up with, uh, you know, a story about why my first client chose me. He was already a somewhat successful partner at a very, very large, uh, litigation firm. Right. But he started to drink the, the green juice, go to the gym, like he wanted to step everything up, right? And he says yeah. to me, he goes, he looked at two other people. I was brand spanking new, John. This was my first client, okay? I'd done research into the legal industry, but I had no experience in from the legal industry. And yeah. he had spoken to a couple of people from legal marketing. And he said, you know why I chose you, Gary? He goes, I already know how to be a lawyer. I want what you got, entrepreneurial drive and spirit. And he really set me up for a career, you know? And that was... 16 years ago now. Yeah. What do I do? Um, it goes beyond being a business coach. I help lawyers change the way they look at the business of law. And, you know, I'm not judgmental. I focus on their strengths, right? Uh, I'm, I'm not a lawyer and I don't want to be a lawyer. <laughs> right. But we need them. And yeah. there's, there's certain attributes, skills, uh, a mindset that comes along with being a lawyer. And they're actually critical to becoming a lawyer, but ironically, those same attributes, mindset, and approach are detrimental to them becoming successful as an entrepreneur and business owner. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, kind of a kind of a place I wanted to start. I mean, you know, we look at look at kind of the lawyer's journey through law school. Very few of them, if any at all, are actually taught how to run a business. They're not taught the business side. Of law, and I think maybe business lawyers might have a little advantage because they work, you know, kind of in that space. So they kind of know what it takes to potentially run a business. But most lawyers, for the most part, aren't really taught that side of things. But a lot of them still go out. They start their own firm. You know, they they have that dream. You know, they don't want to work in big law their entire life. So what are what are some of the biggest challenges that you've seen with some of your clients and the lawyers that you've worked with when they go out and try to start their own firm? Okay, well, first of all, I'm not going to law school bash. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. A lot of people do. I'm not saying you did, but a lot of people do. And they go, law school doesn't do this. Law school doesn't do that. Let me start with what law school does. It trains people how to learn. Mm -hmm. That is the most effective thing that comes from law school. So, And we're dealing with highly intellectual, highly intelligent people. Yeah. The difference being it's book smart, intellectual smart, rather than street smart, so to speak, like people skills, right? Yeah. Um, so given what I just said, 
Lawyers are trained how to learn. They're highly intelligent. Entrepreneurial skills are definitely learnable. If they're, if they're pointed in the right direction, given the support, given the tools and the strategies, they can actually learn quite quickly. I mean, I guess the first step is awareness, yeah. recognizing that they don't know everything. And, you know, some of them will go out on their own. A lot of, a lot, that's actually a trend, right? Um, a lot of students mm-hmm. are coming out of law school and just opening up their own shops. Uh, they, like you say, they don't want to go to big law. Um, and so the, the alternative is to try and go out on their own. And, you know, many of them are quite successful. I remember having a client a few years ago. He was 34-ish, okay? Mm-hmm. He'd never worked at another firm. He went out on his own from the beginning. 34, he already had five other lawyers working for him. Wow. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing from my experience. Okay. But he recognized to take it to the next level, he did need some help. And so, I mean, that was my sweet spot. He's already, he's well into a career. He's already growing. He's recognized what he's done right. He's recognized the mistakes he's made. He's recognized what he needs help with. Um, The last I checked, I actually saw him a couple months ago. I stopped over in Toronto. And he's up to 12 lawyers now. And that's a couple of years. Um, So what do lawyers, well, first of all, um, you know, I always say this, but be the lawyer. Be the best damn lawyer you can be. And then build an amazing team around you uh, to take care of all the other tasks and and strategies and skill sets. You know, it goes back to uh, one one of the exercises I take my clients through in the program is to go through a SWOT analysis. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. The old school of thought, which 30 years ago, I have to admit, I profess to because we didn't know any better, uh, was to, you know, pick up your shorts and improve your uh, weaknesses. Well, then along comes Steve Jobs. And he has a different philosophy, which I now fully, fully espouse to. And that is, you know what you do with your strengths? You master them. You put all of your energy towards becoming a master, in this case, a master lawyer. And then you build your team around your strengths, filling in the gaps and holes or weaknesses. And you know what happens, John? Not only are my clients happier when they do this because they're focused on things they truly enjoy and why they went into law in the the first place, but those people they're bringing on to fill those gaps and holes are way better at those tasks than the lawyers are. Yeah, they enjoy them. And so it's like, it's just a win, win, win. Yeah. Um, one, of, one of the things you you pointed out, especially talking about law school and, and just how it, how it teaches the, the thought process. I mean, one of the big kind of aha moments that I had, you know, I was always one of those people, you know, coming up through school where it's just like, well, why do we have to take algebra and calculus and trigonometry. we're never going to use that. But then I realized like, it's not necessarily about how to do math with letters. It's right. building those thought processes and, and training you in those skills to think in that sort exactly. of problem-solving way. And we didn't know and, that at the time, right? right? I'm with you on that. I hated algebra. Yeah. It would be really helpful, I think, if teachers kind of explained that to students, but whatever, we're here now and it's fine. We we figured it out. But um, yeah, you know, I, I think to your point, um, you know, being able to master those skills and and I, and it starts with that awareness and and being able to admit that hey it's okay that i don't know how to do something in particular 
because, you know, we see a lot of these lawyers, they go out and they're, you know, being true solos. And so they're not just being a lawyer, they're also being a bookkeeper and a marketer and a, you know, receptionist and an admin, HR, IT. They're trying to do all of these things. That's not where your strengths lie. You you went through all this schooling, you know, you're, the way your mind even is wired, you're you're good at being a lawyer and, and the you legal touch, stuff. You, you touch upon an important point, John, because even though they can do those things, yeah, okay, um, they can't do them as as well as other professionals. I mean, I'm right. certainly I'm certainly not not going to walk uh, going to want to walk into a boardroom and have a negotiation over a contract uh, about something I know nothing of. I mean, when your car breaks down, who do you go to? Right, right, a mechanic. Yeah, when there's something wrong in the bathroom. Who do you call? Plumber. Right. Right. But and this is more often than not, it happens in that circumstance where it's solo practice. Right. And it's mm-hmm. usually also in the startup phase because they're worried about money. They're worried about. And I always say, do the math. How much do you charge for your services? So if you're doing the ad work or you're spending time doing admin work, think about the math. Think about the difference between what you can charge for your services and what you pay someone else who's going to be way better at it, by the way, yeah. <laughs> nine, nine and a half times out of 10, yeah. um, it's a fraction of the cost. So many lawyers, actually many business people, this is not just a lawyer phenomenon. This is a, a small business phenomenon. When people are getting started, especially in those early days, they think, oh, I can't afford to do this. I can't afford to do that. And if I'm working with a startup, I'm like, you know what? You can't afford not to hire people. Think about this. Look yeah. about this. Look at this on a weekly, then a monthly and a yearly basis. And you brought up math. I always say to my clients, do the math. And we're talking simple math, business math. Yeah. <laughs> not algebra, not geometry. Right. Um, it's right there. And so it's just a matter of turning their mindset around to be looking at things like that. And that's the business side. And, you know, again, what I'm saying, there's no absolute. Same thing as in a large firm. You do have rainmakers, mm-hmm. but they are rare. They are yeah. rare. Those yeah. those people who come out of law school, build a career, uh, can build a, a million, million and a half, two million plus practice because they know how to do it. They are rare still to this day, right? Same thing as an entrepreneurial lawyer. Now, I have had many entrepreneurial lawyer clients over the last uh, 16 years, but they're rare. And yeah. what I love, what I love doing is getting a, a client who's willing and open to getting the coaching and training to take them through their goals because I'll help them get there faster, uh, shorten the learning curve. Uh, there'll be a lot less pain, and one thing that'll be very important to them, I will save them a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You talk about doing the math. I mean, I sat down and I kind of did this. Um, kind of based on data that we got from a trends report that we did, I kind of averaged it, you know, I know a lot of lawyers don't do hourly anymore, but like, right. you know, you, you go revenue divided by hour, you can get kind of an hourly rate. And so, I mean, even just if you average around $300 an hour, I just looked at it from the marketing standpoint and, and a lot of lawyers try to do their own marketing. You, yeah. you end up losing out anywhere from five to $10,000 a month, just doing like, yes. yeah, just doing marketing. And just even like a subset of marketing, not even necessarily paid ads, SEO, keywords, algorithms, all that. I'm talking just like content generation and referral generation and stuff like that. And so I'll jump in here here for in your support of that argument, because 
uh, working with a senior partner. Um, and yes, you can you can train old dogs new tricks. Let me just mm -hmm. say that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, senior partner. And he had always avoided social media. And I said, OK, what part of social media do you hate? He said, pretty much all of it. I'm like, OK, well, let's get to the nitty gritty. So I paired him up with a VA virtual assistant. Mm -hmm. So she took the content out of his brain, which he had tons of. Right. Mid 50s, mid 50s lawyer. He's got a lot of content. Oh, yeah. And she took it out of his brain and did the job for him. Oh, my God. I remember the first coaching call after I put them together. And he was like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It, took the, it took the pain away. And I know what you're getting at. It's like marketing is, is a huge example. HR is another. Right. Yeah. Having, if you're small, a smaller firm, having your office manager trained up on HR to take that off your plate. Ultimately, if you're the owner of the firm, like you have, you signed the at the dotted line. You always have the final say. But why not reach out to experts in the fields? Again, yeah. build, building your team. And if you're solo practice, you're still building a team. They could be like um, on contract, part time, outsourcing. There's always a solution. I'm not talking about building this huge, massive management structure. No, right. But but reach out, look for professionals that can take care of those things that often cause you stress. And are taking away from focusing on what you actually love. Like this same client said, now I find I'm truly focused on doing the things I love. And I'm like, oh, because you're delegating? <laughs> ah, right? Yeah. I know. It's, I, we talk, we, I see so much about just burnout in the legal industry. And I, and I just wonder just how much of that is caused by this lack of delegating and, and and trying to do too much and a lot of it being stuff that they're not super passionate about to begin with well they try to and i understand i really understand you want a little bit of psychology the psychology of about delegating is it stresses them out to let go of the control oh yeah oh yeah right? um so i i hold their hand i go we're not jumping out of plane at fifty thousand feet Let's try some parasailing at about 100 feet above sea level, right? Right. Got a soft landing. It's only 100 feet. Um, the thing about delegating is that they're so afraid of letting go of the control that they continually, they're, they're going around the rack, whatever that wheel is called. You know what I'm talking about? The, the yeah. rack spinning around the wheel. Yeah. And I always say, listen, if you keep doing this, first of all, you're going to, you're really going to burn out. And I don't even want to go where that can lead to health, right. career, whatever, uh, relationships. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not sustainable. What you, what they need to do is get in there, find the right people. That's key. Find the right people who they can trust and then slowly, but surely start to delegate more and more of those responsibilities that they shouldn't be doing off their plate. Give con constructive feedback, right? Uh, I mean, teaching them how to delegate is an important part of what I do as well, uh, because they will, like I say, you know, you've done it a hundred times, but you're training and say you're even a junior lawyer, right? Maybe not even outsourcing a, what we were talking about, something else, but a junior lawyer, you've done it a hundred times, maybe a thousand times, right? It's like automatic, autopilot. Yeah. So you have to be crystal clear on the instructions. But once you make that investment, especially on a task, that will be done over and over and over and over again. That's another thing off your plate. And that's one of the keys to growth when you're growing.
you can't you, you cannot do it all on your own and those who try to do it all on their own either burn out or fail or both yeah, yeah. and oh, that's yeah. not just lawyers and that's not just lawyers again that's that's business people in general oh yeah yeah, I mean, we're one of the things, and I mean, I've even had this experience in myself, you know, working here, where it's like, you know, just because we were kind of small, as we grew, we were able to hire some people to to help out, and it was it was difficult for me to let go of some of those things. But what yeah. I found is that if you have really well documented systems and processes, where you have written down exactly how you do things and how you want them done. You can give that to people. And now you at least have the the confidence that they're doing the thing that you want done. And then it opens up the possibility for those processes to be improved as other experiences and insights come in to make things a little bit better. It's one of the first processes I work through with uh, owners, okay? Yeah. A small firm owners is let's document, uh, you know, I, I go back to the McDonald's method. And I, yeah. I say I say to people, have you ever watched the movie The Founder? If you haven't, I highly recommend it. I mean, I got tons of books I can tell you to read, but just watch that movie. And it's all about templates and replicating. And you want it done in your vision, in your view, to your standards. You do exactly what he just said. We document every process. Yes, it takes time. I know. But I can project where you where you will be ten years from now if you actually do this now, as opposed yeah. to keep spinning around. Right? You're going to get the quality level that you're after, but you're you're going to be able to grow and grow beyond the next person and the next person and the next person. Systems, processes, templates—it's key, and that's why McDonald's probably to this day is still the most uh, successful franchise in the history of, of the world. Um, yeah. They got that right from the beginning. Right. Yeah. I know McDonald's is not law, but we can all learn business from other industries. <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you talked about how, you know, you've seen a couple of like truly entrepreneurial minded lawyers, you know, throughout your career. But, I, you know, a lot of them you know, are are more just executors. You know, mm -hmm. they, they're, they're good at, you know, getting down into the weeds and just running through all the casework and everything, you know, rather than being more, you know, more high level strategic thinkers, you know, big visions and stuff like that. What, especially when it comes to the business side of a firm, I mean, what, what can people do to kind of improve on those entrepreneurial skills? Because like you said, they can be learned. Uh, well, the first comes with mindset, um, to be quite honest, because what de defines an entrepreneur from a business owner is a drive. Um, they're willing to take risk, which is the total opposite of most lawyers being highly risk averse. Um, it's, you know, and again, it goes back to what the individual wants. Um, mm -hmm. If they want to be a successful solo practice lawyer, there's nothing wrong with that, right? That's their choice. Uh, yeah. But if they want to grow, that does require a different mindset. And if they don't have the skills, they can be learned, but they're going to need support to learn those skills. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm not pitching myself. There's many people out there. Uh, I've just taken a more like beyond beyond business. It really is about an entrepreneurial mindset. And, you know, what separates a business owner from an entrepreneur is an entrepreneur allows they get to this creative place where the, the, the ideas are flowing. And you cannot be doing that if you're bogged down in the everyday minutia of every element of your of your law firm. 
So again, it goes back to delegating, getting the things off your plate that you really shouldn't be doing. You know, and this goes for the whole the whole system, right? When I'm working with a small firm uh, owner, I'm like, we start with you. We go to the next tier, your lawyers. And maybe there's another tier of lawyers. And then maybe it gets to paralegals or clerks. And then it gets to assistants. And making sure that everyone is in the right place during, during, sorry, doing the right tasks that are most efficient for the firm overall. And let's not forget the clients. <laughs> yeah. um, making sure the clients are getting the best value. And that's, so I do a, a time audit, right? I, I do a time audit with my clients and it's like, I get them to record all their non-billable and I mean non-work. So if they're not hour hourly, that's fine, but they're right. non-billable work over a two week period because that's a good uh, measurement. Yeah. And I'm not talking about lunch breaks or washroom or whatever. I'm talking about all that admin stuff, right? Yeah. Half the time they know it, the other half the time, they're not even aware of how much time they are spending outside of billable work. And then the next step is, okay, so all of these tasks, all of this time, let's all add all of that up. What are the skills required to get in there and do those jobs? Let's break them down. And that's how you figure out who and what you need to bring on your team to grow. So it's a very, I have a very practical, simple, uh, down-to-earth approach to all of this, John. It's not yeah. high in the sky. It's not um, a hyperbole. It's yeah. really, really down-to-earth, practical, practical stuff. And uh, some of my clients, the feedback I've gotten, it's like I get to the end of a call and they're like, God, Gary, I never thought of about that profitability angle. It's like, right. it's not just about bringing in more clients. It's like, before you grow, let's make sure that all the systems and everyone on your team, you are in a profitable uh, way before you bring on more people, because more revenue does not necessarily translate to more profits. Right. Growth, growth in size does not necessarily translate to more profits. So yeah. oh, that was just a call recently with a firm owner and she's uh, she just hired a whole bunch of new people and uh, she's in growth mode. And I'm like, okay, well, we want to make sure you're in profit mode too. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, to kind of, to kind of start, you know, wrapping everything up here, I, we talk a lot about right brain versus left brain, yeah. Yeah. you know, logic versus, I, you know, more creative in the more general yeah. sense, you know, you know, kind of, you know, for people who may not be super familiar with that, you know, kind of, explain more about what exactly that means and, and how you can get both sides of your brain to really work together to help you build a successful firm. Well, first let's back up to why, um, why lawyers are uh, left brain heavy, right? Mm -hmm. First of all, their personality traits that draws them to the practice of law, right? Um, they are intellectual, highly intellectual, uh, book smart, intelligent, highly analytical, critical, skeptical, all these things, as I said at the beginning, critical to the practice of law, okay? Yes. Then their training, all their support, everything's been nurtured on the left side of the brain. Like I say to some clients, and I've said in the past, it's like they've had Olympian level training for the left side of the brain. And the right side of the brain, which still exists, by the way, and we all use both sides, has been a couch potato binging on Netflix. So it's a matter of exercising those right brain functions of creativity, of um, people skills, of intuitiveness. And a lot of times um, 
I'm simply, well, I shouldn't say simply because it's not that simple, but I'm simply, um, I said it again, confirming, <laughs> confirming to the client, yes, your instincts are right. Trust yeah. them, right? So again, it's really about training experience. And it's just the course of their career, their education, their personality type uh, of law that that's why the left brain is so so much outweighing the right brain. It's not a bad thing. It's not, I'm not criticizing. It just is what it is. And yeah. if you look at different um, professions, right? Uh, like artists, obviously, are heavy on the right brain. So they, yeah. need lawyer, they need lawyers and accountants and business people to take care of those left brain functions. Otherwise, they'd go bankrupt, right? No matter right. how many, how many uh, Emmys they've won. Um, so we complement each other. It's important to understand what our strengths are. Again, Steve Jobs method, methodology, right? Understand what you've got yourself. What are your strengths? Yeah. Master it and then build a team around it. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, and I think about this a lot through kind of the marketing lens, because I mean, that's just what we do and, and marketing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there, there really are, are two kinds of, of marketing. You have the analytical side, the left brain side, where you have to look at metrics and data and try yeah, to understand, yeah. you know, what the best strategy is, but you also have to have that right brain creativity to be able to make those emotional connections with your audience. And, you know, a lot of those, you know, it, it kind of conflicts. I mean, that's where I've had struggles personally, because I am more of a right brain person. I understand metrics and data, but like after a while, I just, whew, I glaze over on yeah. a lot of that stuff. Well, we ha- like I said, we have to work off each other, right? Let right. me ask you, let me ask you a question, which I think and hope I know the answer to, because um, <laughs> you should never ask a question unless you, you know the answer. Uh, when you're working with lawyers, yeah. don't, you, don't you find some time, even though you're on the, the creative side, don't you find some time that when you free them up, taking away all that, you know, the data and measurement and, and you, you start on the creative process, that they actually start exploring their creative side with you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, we, I, you know, it's amazing kind of, you know, listening to our account managers go through like a website design call with, with our clients where it's like, maybe at first they don't really have any idea what they want. And so you kind of show them some examples, show them some design and all of a sudden they get real opinionated. That's right. The light bulb comes on and you're freeing them and it's collaborative. This is another uh, right brain function that they're not used to, right? So a big a big example of that silos in the bigger firms, right? Yeah. Everybody's holding on to their own thing. They don't get the chance to collaborate. Again, my experience, the lawyers that open up and do collaborate either across, you know, above and definitely below bringing associates on, uh, they thrive. They love it. I mean, yeah. who doesn't? We're human. Do we not like to interact with each other? And right. you come up with an idea and then I'm like, hey, John, that's fantastic. What about this and it goes back and forth and back and forth i personally love that and yeah. i know a lot of my clients once they're exposed to it and again that trust factor right once they mm-hmm. know uh that trust factor, it opens a whole floodgate and you can see the light in their eyes and they're like wow this yeah. is this is awesome you know yeah. so it, it's again it's like- stretching exercising um practice the same thing that they've been doing with the left brain functions their entire careers. Yeah. And you talk about building those entrepreneurial skills. I mean, I, you know, at least in my, in my mind, 
you know, the most kind of stereotypical entrepreneurial people are those big idea people constantly coming up with new ideas. You start collaborating with people, you kind of feed off of their ideas. All of a sudden now that's, you start building that skill. And now all of a sudden you've got a lot of ideas and, and everything going on. And so. Well, those, those boom, 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 boom people, um, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, um, they couldn't have gotten to where they are without building a team of yeah. uh, the left, the left brain, right? Like yeah. I said, the artist, right? Needs the accountant, the, the lawyer, manager, blah, blah, blah. So we have to, again, we have to know who we are, what our strengths are, and accept the fact that we can't do everything. Maybe we can, maybe we can do everything, but can we do it well? Right. That's the question. Can, yeah. Are we the best person for the job? Or should yeah. we focus on a small firm owner? I give you an example. The three things they need to focus on. First, mastering being the best damn lawyer they can be. Second, yeah. second, business development. They got to bring in clients. And third, leadership. Someone has to lead the team. And it ha- usually needs to be the owner, the person yeah. with the vision. But all the rest of the stuff, the marketing, the admin, um, the IT, the HR, I mean, the whole shebang, it really needs to be delegated. And yep. once, once I work with a client for a, a little bit of time and there's some trust there, they start to open up and they go, oh, okay, now I see what you're talking about. And now those solo, going back to the very beginning of this, those solo practice coming right out of law school, many will make it. Many will make it, but at what cost? At what cost to their personal lives? At what cost to their health? Um, the need, need stress that they go through, um, mistakes that they don't need to make. Um, one of my favorite quotes, because I've got a lot of testimonial quotes, but one of my favorite quotes, very, very bright. She's definitely in the top 10 entrepreneurial lawyers I've ever worked with. Uh, she says, it's on my website, The one time I didn't listen to Gary, it cost me thousands of dollars. And she was in startup. And she's gone on. She's won tons of awards for marketing, for HR. She is brilliant. Um, But I really love that quote because she recognized right out of the gate, hey, I don't know all. I don't know everything. And she's built an amazing team around her. Yeah, love it. So big takeaways, biggest takeaways, I think, is, is be aware of your strengths. And focus on those strengths and have a good team around you, be able to delegate to a good team around you that can fill in those gaps. Um, no matter where, no matter where you are, if you're solo, yeah. if you're a partner at a firm, I don't care the size of the firm, the location of the firm. If you're growing a small firm, the formula is the same. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Gary, this has been absolutely incredible. How can people reach out to you uh, to chat with you and, and learn more? Uh, my website is ontrackcoach.com. There's no K in on track. And my email is Gary at ontrackcoach.com. That's the best way. Awesome. Yeah. And, and I will have the, that. And uh, that's the first step, John, is having a chat, right? Yep. And exactly. finding out where they want to get to and uh, how I can help them. But Awesome. Yeah. And I'll have that information in the show notes. So you can go right down in there and, and get that. Uh, one final question for you before we wrap everything up here. Uh, if you had one final piece of advice for our listeners, what would it be? I think you just did it. I think you just summed it up. Uh, know your strengths um, and build the team around you. 
I, I really, I know I sound like a broken record, but there are some things that I do repeat over and over and over again on purpose. Um, and again, if you're starting out, if you want to remain solo practice, if you're growing a small firm, if you're a partner at a mega firm, uh, which I've worked at as well, the formula is the same, you know, and then if they'll find out uh, at the end of the day, oh, I love being a lawyer again, because I'm being a lawyer, I'm not being everything. And it, the stress level goes down, the fulfillment goes up. Guess what also goes up? Yeah. Profit. Income. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Income and profit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and yeah, and that that helps everything out. Awesome. Gary, this has been this has been really great. Um, a lot of great insight and perspective there. Um, and and really, really great job of just crystallizing, you know, I think uh, one of the biggest needs, I think, in a lot of in a lot of lawyers' lives. So um, that's gonna do it for us this week. Uh continue to rate and review us wherever you're consuming the show. Uh really do appreciate all the feedback that we get uh every week here, and that's gonna do it. Gary, thanks so much again for joining us thank you john take care thanks for listening to learn more go to spotlightbranding.com slash center stage